What's up, everybody? It is I once again, your host, Joshua DeYoung, a.k.a. the Beer City Bandit. Now, um, this is finally the episode where I'm going to get around to uh, explaining how this whole street beef thing came about and uh, even where the nickname Beer City Bandit came from and how I came up with it. But I had originally intended to do this all as one big segment, but... I just started typing and talking about why I even thought I wanted to do street beefs in the first place, and um, it ended up being a whole lot more than I thought, so I'm doing this in two parts. So uh, this is the first one, and um, the first one I'm calling uh, Expectation, and uh, the second half I'm going to call Reality, so stay tuned for that one, but uh, yeah, this is uh, the first part of my journey to street beefs, so... Yeah, check it out right after this message. Alright, so I've been meaning to do this one for a really long time. And I think part of the reason I stopped doing the podcast for a while even has to do with how my fights went, which led to a general feeling of being bummed out and depressed in my everyday life. You know, I thought maybe this whole thing was dumb and I was wasting my time. I lost three different times in front of tens of thousands of online viewers and I felt like a real dunce about it and I just sort of shut up and went away for a while. Well, fortunately, the spark has been reignited and I am back again with another episode where I finally talk about where I've been, my journey back to street beefs, and more importantly, my journey to remember who I am in the first place. So a little backstory on myself and why I ever thought I should be fighting at Street Beefs in the first place. Um, Well, I've got a fairly long and checkered past of combat training, and it all started in third grade when a karate dojo called Warriors for Christ came in and did a demonstration at my school. They broke a bunch of boards in a variety of impressive ways and even did a fully choreographed fight scene set to the Mortal Kombat theme song. Again, I was nine, so needless to say, I was sold. And it turns out my dad actually knew the guy who owned the school, so he was happy to sign me up right away. I was stoked. I was convinced I was going to be the next Bruce Lee or karate kid i didn't even know his name was ralph not machio he's still the karate kid whatever something i was gonna be something i loved it and i really stuck with it for about four years and uh, i even made it all the way to blue belt which in my system it went white yellow orange blue purple green three degrees of brown and then black and then more degrees of black belt into infinity i guess i don't know i never got that high but uh so yeah a lot more belts than brazilian jiu-jitsu and uh it was actually called wadoru karate but hey i'm still technically a blue belt to this day so that's not a lie (laughs) um so then sometime around middle school i became a teenager and just i don't know got too cool or something and just stopped going for whatever reason i guess I figured I probably wasn't really going to be a movie star or anything after all. And uh, I just started setting my sights on more realistic goals like college and what career I'd want to pursue after school. So I sort of dropped the whole 
fighting thing all through high school. I mean, like, we didn't have a wrestling team or anything. I mean, I went to a very small Christian school, and, like, my graduating class only had about 30 people in it, just to give you an idea. And the closest thing we had was uh, we started a football team my freshman year. And uh, we actually had to combine with two other Christian schools because soccer and football seasons were at the same time. So a lot of the good athletes were already playing soccer. But, you know, we'd never had a football team before. Like the, the first time that I played was the first time that we even had a team. So it was kind of a mess, but I loved it. I mean, I, you know, I always wanted to play football because I thought that was a way tougher sport. And I liked the idea of tackling people and stuff. And I like all that rough and rowdiness. So I uh, I uh, ended up playing offensive and defensive lines and all the special teams out like three out of four years of high school. Like it was a small team. And uh, yeah, I got real depressed junior year because we got our asses kicked a lot and I ended up taking a year off. But I came back my senior year because, you know, screw it. It's my last year of high school. I'm going to have a little fun. And, uh, you know, later on, I think that actually did translate pretty well to some of my grappling training. Um, but, you know, that's not till way later. Anyway, so after high school, uh, I didn't really do anything combat related. Like, I stayed in decent shape for a while, but, you know, eventually I stopped really doing anything physical at all and uh, just kept eating anyway. And I got real fat, like... 270 at my biggest and um you know it uh didn't really have a whole lot of purpose or direction I don't know anyway uh but it wasn't until later on that I discovered the UFC and it was partly because um it was the season that Kimbo Slice was on the Ultimate Fighter yeah season 10 and um it was all heavyweights and that's how I found out that the weight limit for heavyweight in the UFC was 265 so I got to thinking, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I still know how to punch and kick, and I'm pretty good at tackling people, too. You know, maybe, uh, maybe I can do that. Maybe, I don't know. So I, uh, I got on my old heavy bag that my dad had bought me back in the karate days and hung it up in the basement. And I bought a pair of Everlast MMA sparring gloves. They were like like 8-ounce MMA gloves. Like They still had the fingers out and everything, but... um. Yeah, I put in work on that bag almost every day. And let me tell you, Everlast is a total misnomer. They do not last forever. In fact, they were practically disintegrating by the time I was done with them. I mean, I beat the crap out of them for like years and ended up losing like 100 pounds over the course of all the heavy bag beatings I did with them. But anyway, um, yeah, I remember I was like, to stay motivated, I actually hung up a poster that we had stolen from an Applebee's after Cain Velasquez beat the brakes off Brock Lesnar to win the title. And that was one of my favorite fights of all time because I could not stand Brock Lesnar in the UFC. I thought he was a total poser. And that's still one of my favorite fights to show new UFC fans, by the way, <laughs> especially if they like wrestling. But anyway, uh, so I heard that you know his work ethic was unlike any other. Like he would throw like a thousand kicks per leg on the heavy bag at the end of every practice. And it was something like he uh, the, the that was what happened the first time that he went to AKA was he showed up 
and he went up to the coach and was like, uh, hey, I want to train here. And then he was like, uh, yeah, okay. And then he's in, in his mind, he saw this is a big guy, and he hasn't trained heavyweights. They get tired too fast. So he tells Kane, uh, yeah, man, whatever. Like, uh, go um, go kick the heavy bag a thousand times, and then, uh, you know, then come back. Basically, you know, piss off, I'm busy. But Kane actually did it. <laughs> and then he's like, came back and was like, okay, I'm done, now what? And he's like, done what he's like i kicked the bag a thousand times he's like oh that okay he's here to train so that was like my inspiration so i was I had a poster on the wall and um so yeah i had that up there to inspire me to you know work harder and go that extra round that i didn't think i had in me and you know i would listen to these uh the boss rootin uh, boxing drill tapes that he put out a while back well not the actual tapes. I got them off BitTorrent when I was first trying to find some MMA instructional so that I could start practicing fighting moves at home with my friends. Sorry, boss. You know, at least I'm giving them credit. You should still check it out. It's totally legit. Anyway, uh, after doing that for a while and getting down to like 220, 225 pounds, I don't really remember, but I was in a lot better shape. Uh, lost almost 50 pounds and so I went to a boxing gym for the first time and I wanted to join an MMA gym for the longest time but they're also expensive and I couldn't afford it. like over like it was like 100 150 bucks a month easy something like that but a buddy at work told me that his cousin was a pro boxer in the area uh Jordan Schimmel he's actually uh he actually made it onto like HBO or something at some point I don't wonder what he's doing anyway um but anyway so he he knew about a couple of places that you could go around town to just go and train boxing for free and i was like well i don't really want to just box but you know i gotta start somewhere so um and one of them was only about half a mile from my house and so i paid them a visit one day and i had my first ever sparring session and i remember it was cool everybody seemed kind of nice and i remember introducing myself to the guys at the gym and I told them, you know, I was interested in learning and I was hoping to, you know, maybe get a round or two in just to kind of gauge where I'm at. And they were like, mm, you sure you want to spar your first day? And I was like, I mean, I've already got a heavy bag at home. Like, you know, I'm I'm here to like kind of try to take this thing to the next level. You know what I mean? And they're like, all right, but this is a little different than the heavy bag. And I'm like, okay, but <laughs> they were right. I mean, I thought I would do pretty well considering i was doing like like five or six three minute rounds on the heavy bag like regularly and jogging a mile almost like every day i was like getting up in the morning and taking my dog for a for a little run but man it was different than i expected like I, well for first off right off the bat i was like like bobbing and moving and weaving around all herky-jerky like i thought it was clay weeder or something just you know moving erratically all over the place and they were like oh whoa whoa relax we're just working here and like nobody's trying to kill you and i'm like okay okay but then like even so like i got tired really fast like just from like missing punches you know i wasn't used to the target just moving out of the way like i remember i, I just swarmed this dude trying to land a clean punch and it was a lot harder than i thought it would be especially since like you know he, the dude that I sparred was like bigger than me. Like they, they actually put me in there cause the trainer was like a smaller, like short stocky guy, kind of, you know, Mike Tyson, Bob and we peekaboo guy, but he was like shorter. So he was like, yeah, you know, you're, you guys are about the same size. Put, put you in there and, uh, you know, just so we can get a good look. 
somebody about the same side. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but I didn't think he was a big dude. I didn't think he'd be so quick. And um, I don't really remember a whole lot from it. it was just I was except being wild, but it wasn't anything super impressive like I thought it would be. I just like remember him some the coach yelling from the side, "Whoa, all right, you got a wild man in there!" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm a fucking wild man. I'm gonna." I just kept swinging and. Um, I remember, like, at some point I got hit with, like, a pretty big hook. Like, I was just, like, wide open and just boom. But, like, I just, like, was, like, okay. And I just, like, kept on punching because I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. Um, but, yeah, that was, like, one thing I discovered was, like, I I didn't, never took a backward step the whole time and took a decent punch. So I was, like, I was wild, but I had heart. So that was cool to discover about myself. Um, But I didn't end up going there for very long as uh that gym unfortunately ended up closing a short while after that just my luck but eventually i did find another gym that i would call home for a little while um i was thrilled when i discovered a blues gym in grand rapids michigan like if you are in the area i highly suggest checking it out it's dope it's a non-profit and they have like after school programs for kids to give them you know, something to do to keep them off the streets and out of trouble. And uh, I think they even do tutoring for kids who are struggling in school. So like before they can box, they'll have to do like, you know, like an hour of homework and then an hour of boxing. Like it's really awesome. And because it's all a nonprofit, the gym fees are super cheap. Like I think it's only like $30, $35 a month or something like that. Last time I checked. And um, that's an incredible price for the quality of instruction you're getting. I mean, Dino, the owner, he's a four-time world champion kickboxer from like back in the day like like late 80s early 90s like if you look him up on youtube you can still find videos dino newville look him up he's a savage anyway uh he's one of the nicest and most generous guys that i've ever met like he he gave me a free pair of gloves that i think you can still like see me using some of my videos on instagram the nice blue and white ones but um you know you can definitely tell like the dude's been through some wars in the past and like it's it's kind of taken the a toll on his mental health but like when he's in his like you know he's kind of forgets things sometimes but like when he's in his element and like he's teaching like it's like he never missed a step like when he's moving in there and like showing the, the guys what to do it's like no you got boom 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 and now it's like he's still like fast and he's like 15 now or something but anyway um but yeah it, and he's got, also got cool stories like He's good friends with Floyd Mayweather Sr. And, like, the Mayweathers have donated some money to them over the years to, like, help improve the gym and, like, renovate it and keep it running. And, you know, Floyd Sr. even shows up there once in a while. And uh, he'll sometimes come to the boxing events that they put on, like, just to come by and give some, like, expert instruction and, you know, encouragement to the next generation. Like, it's really awesome. And uh, I ended up learning a lot in my time there. So, all right, that's all for that little advertisement i just had to put it out there because uh, i want to support them any chance i get anyway so i started going there like early on when it was like mainly just a boxing gym like later they added some mma and bjj instruction to the curriculum but when i started going it was basically just like it was like me and one buddy that i brought along who wanted to do mma so uh my first time sparring with my friend there went actually pretty well at first like I was like doing decent in the stand-up with some of the boxing I'd picked up and I was doing well you know working in leg kicks and you know even some of the karate moves from back in the day were working like you know high block middle block and then but then uh I got taken down and I realized 
I had no idea what I was doing on the ground. <laughs> and uh, he ended up getting me in a, in an arm triangle. Like he was on, like he had me in uh, like side control and like my arm was up above my head and like he was trying to choke me out. And I was able to defend it like until the end of the round just because I'd happened to remember something that Joe Rogan once said during a UFC fight about, you know, answering the phone. And uh, so, yeah, I was able to like stall to the end of the round with that. Uh, but so that's when I started getting into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Like, so that same night, I went online and looked up like beginner YouTube tutorials from Gracie University, like just to get an idea of the fundamentals. And um, then I went to my first ever open mat at a BJJ school. And I did pretty well for the first time. Like I rolled with a purple belt who, in retrospect, was definitely being really nice with me and like just playing catch and release. And uh, after the first round, another guy came by and told me, he's like, uh, hey, man, yeah, you're going kind of hard over there. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I, I just got really excited. And, was, uh, and then he's like, have you done this before? Like, no, no, it was my first time. I was like, oh, oh okay. Hmm. And it's like he seemed kind of impressed, and that made me feel good. So, like, um, then, like, after that, I just uh, I just went about going online and looking up techniques and then, like, periodically just dropping by an open mat to try stuff out. And, you know, again, I never really committed to a gym or anything because jujitsu gyms are expensive. But, you know, I found that I kind of had a knack for it and, like, just pick things up quickly and uh, I even surprised a blue belt with an omoplata, my second time ever rolling. Not too shabby. <laughs> he was like, where was that? He was, what was he said, who showed you that? I'm like, uh, I watched a YouTube video. He's like, well, keep watching YouTube videos, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just wanted to have like a really cool submission. And I think I heard like on the Ultimate Fighter, like a guy like, said something about, I was like, I keep having nightmares that this guy's going to like, gonna tap me out or something like not even with anything normal it's like something crazy like a omoplata or something and i was like hmm omoplata i don't look that up and then i did it and then like i did i actually pulled it off i was like oh my god <laughs> anyway um so i kept doing stuff like that over the years and you know again martial arts became more of like a hobby than a serious pursuit but i always sort of had it in the back of my head that <clears throat> if i ever really just committed and joined a gym and gave it everything that I had that I could still be a professional fighter like maybe not even the UFC but like as the sport's grown so much there's like so many opportunities to make a living as a fighter that you know even if I never make it to the biggest stage like I still had big dreams and you know that's around the time where I actually came up with a nickname Beer City Bandit because you know, first of all, you know, Beer City, because I wanted to represent Grand Rapids, and that's like our nickname. We're like, got a ton of microbreweries in there. Uh, we're also kind of super high rates of depression. Alcohol's a depressant. We like beer. Go figure. But objectively, it's not the best city in the world, but it's where it came from, and I'm proud of it. So I wanted to be Beer City something, something with a B, but I wasn't sure what. You know, first I thought uh, Butcher because I'd been watching Dexter, and they called him the Bay Harbor Butcher, but I was like, eh, it's too dark. And then I was thinking, Beer City Bruiser, Beer City Brawler, something like that. And then one day I was actually listening to uh, Fighter and the Kid podcast, uh, which is Brendan Schaub and uh, Brian Callen, hilarious, and 
they've since broken up and I'm a little sad about it, but anyway, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Anyway, back in the good old days, I was listening to The Fighter and the Kid, and they started doing what is now the classic song, <clears throat> Big Dick Bandits. And I'm not going to sing it, because it's kind of loud, and it's kind of late, so... <clears throat> Big dick bandits, big dick bandits, bandit, bandit. Yeah, it was. Anyway, um, so yeah, that that was it. I was like, bandit, that's it, Beer City bandit, because that was like, like it's fun, it's playful, but like kind of like mischievous and dangerous at sounding at the same time. Like ah, I'm a bandit, <laughs> and like I uh. I, at one point, like I also even made plans to open a, a martial arts school slash sports bar called the Beer City Fight Club, and like my idea was it would be like like the Hard Rock Cafe of MMA, like so like with memorabilia up on the wall, like gloves, shorts, whatever, all signed, and then fights playing twenty four seven on every screen. Now that's that's still the dream, actually. Um, that and getting a fight with CM Punk. And I've still got plenty of time to pull off both of those, but that's another story for another time. But anyway, back to the present. So it was almost two years ago now when I first discovered Street Beefs, and that's back when I was still living in Michigan. I was immediately hooked. Seeing all these regular guys competing in MMA made me think, I could definitely give this a shot. And like, who knows? Street Beefs is incredibly popular. And if it did well there, you know, maybe I really could build my name up and gain some serious popularity on the way to an actual fighting career. And, you know, since then, some other guys actually had the the same idea. You know, they, uh, uh, Memnon Warrior, Reckless Rico, both gone pro, King Leonidas in boxing, he's professional now. So, um, yeah, I got really excited when I was moving to D.C. and I saw that, you know, D.C. was only about an hour and a half away from where the fights take place. Uh, so, you know, I started training more at home, like even put up a few shadow boxing videos in the Street Beefs group, you know, looking for pointers and stuff, you know, and shout out to the Street Beefs Facebook community, though, for real. Like they're one of, if not the most supportive group I have ever been a part of on Facebook. Like everyone always builds each other up and they want to see each other improve. And like so many guys use the goal of fighting in the yard as motivation just to get in better shape and like really turn their lives around for the better like I see posts every day like guys losing crazy weight like 100 pounds even like Scarface himself the guy who runs the thing um just posted the other day he uh yeah his transformation and yeah it's awesome man it's a beautiful thing to see so anyways I was getting ready to take off on the plane to DC and saw a notification in the group that Scarface was looking for an opponent. And I was like around the same weight class. So I immediately just like stepped up and volunteered. Like I I didn't know how well I'd do, but I knew they had a rule where anyone who fights Scarface gets like an automatic win on their record just if they like put up a good effort. So he's like 0-30 technically or whatever, even though like you watch the video, he's knocked people the fuck out several times but anyway i figured if i could at least like just stay in there for three rounds and land a couple shots it'd be a good way to like introduce myself and maybe make a good first impression and you know earn the respect of the creator of street beefs firsthand and you know i thought 
that would be like such an honor so it wasn't like out of a beef thing like uh, he has problems all the time with like you know people will troll on him and then like not show up for a fight it's anyway but i was like yeah i'll give him a fight the guy likes to fight i'll fight like to fight we'll fight and that was it um and unfortunately like it didn't end up happening uh right away because like i was brand new to dc when i first moved there and like didn't know anyone with a car and you know most importantly uh i didn't realize that you know this uh, the day that the event was when i first moved to dc was um uh you know the the event was on the two-year anniversary of the day my son ezra passed away so naturally uh that day wasn't gonna work out that's a, a very personal day so uh, it wasn't until months later when Face was, you know, once again searching for an opponent because nobody actually wants to fight him. A lot of them say they do, but they never show up. And so I threw myself in the mix again. And the date was set, and I had a boxing match with Scarface, all lined up for the 4th of July. And now I just needed someone to train with. Uh, enter Robert Brown, a.k.a. Sloth. Uh, I put a post out in the Street Beast group just asking if there was anyone in the DMV area who was available to train a couple times a week. And uh, DMV in this instance means the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And uh, I've been living here long enough to where, like, I forgot that wasn't, like, a term that a lot of people recognized as that. So, like, one guy commented, you're trying to get a fight at the Department of Motor Vehicles? Wild. Um, so I replied, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that's like a term only people that use around here. And Robert commented on it saying something like, now you feel our pain. You officially one of us now. So well, we started getting together like a couple times a week in preparation. And, uh, you know, it was also during this time that, uh, I had started becoming friends with, uh, Jeffrey Mysick, AKA Demon Monsoon. And, I was a huge fan of his because uh, he has autism and he dedicates all of his fights to autism awareness. Um, he's a super nice dude. Like he always goes live on the chats and like, you know, um, you know, talks to people all the time and does YouTube videos. Like the whole the whole nine yards. Like he had a whole thing built up. I love it. And like he was thirteen and one in the time in street beefs, and uh, he was in the process of trying to get uh, a third fight or. Was the second? No, he was trying to get a third fight again with Joshua Jacob Jones, who had, yeah, that's right, because he had just rematched him, and it ended up going to like a controversial decision draw, and it was supposed to be to squash the beef, so like the winner didn't really matter, and like the two seemed to have earned each other's respect, and then afterwards, after Jeff left, uh, Joshua Jones accuses Demon Monsoon of cheating, and like. A couple different weird ways and actually claimed he was the true victor like he tried to claim that like the gloves were tampered with or something or uh so and then, like there was something with the rounds so like naturally jeff wanted to get that one back and like settle it once and for all so he started a group chat and he actually added me into it too with like it was like me and some of his other friends and so to, we were to devise a plan to get him that third fight well so a week before my scheduled fight with Scarface, uh, him and his buddy Daniel, a.k.a. Wicked One, uh, came and picked me up and 
and brought me over to Neutral Corner Boxing to help him shoot a promo. And that was on Saturday night, I think. No, that was Friday night. And then on Saturday, the next day, we went back in the daytime to get some training in at Neutral Corner. And man, I was not disappointed. Like, I remember being so starstruck as I walked through that door and I saw King Leonidas and Gorilla going at it in the cage. And then giving him coaching off to the side is freaking Iraqi assassin and like... I know they're not like pro boxers or UFC fighters or actual celebrities or anything, but like in the moment, I I, I was so like starstruck. I was like, "Oh my god, it's like really them in real life!" Oh my god, I don't know what to do. Should I say hi? Should I say hi? I'm gonna say hi. I'm gonna say hi. I'm just, I'll just be cool. Be cool. <sighs> and like, but what was even crazier was I got to train with some of those guys. Um, but. I've been talking for a while, and so we're just going to save that for next time where I'm actually going to plan to do um, like a full video breakdown of all my fights at Street Beefs along with some extra rarely before seen footage. Like, I mean, I put it all out there, but I'm just going to put it all in one place that'll help connect the dots between fights a little bit, kind of tell the story. So um, stay tuned for part two, and uh, until then, just, you know... Uh, don't forget to mind your mind, because when you mind your mind, then your mind won't mind. So mind your mind. Big dick bandit. Mind. <laughs>